Welcome to Leading Collaborative Response. The purpose of this content is to explore the impact of leadership on the implementation and sustainability of collaborative response, a system-wide framework that values collaborative, action-focused responses, data-informed discussions, and timely support to ensure all students can experience success. A carefully planned and implemented collaborative response will positively support both students and teachers. Learn more about the why behind the leadership activities that establish, refine, and deepen collaborative response as a foundational framework for success. We are here because we want to build capacity in leading collaborative response within the context that you work. Great leaders build great teams because that is what every child deserves. Welcome to another episode of Leading Collaborative Response. I'm joined once again by lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning, Curtis Hewson. Hi, Curtis. Hey, Jen. How's it going today? Not bad. Yourself? Oh, doing very well. Thank you. So we're going to talk today about the power of norms for collaboration. So I figured let's start with the very basic question. What are norms? Yeah, so um, I don't think norms are a new concept. This has been around for a long time whenever we've talked about collaborating. Uh, I drew a lot of my early learning um, was when engaging around professional learning communities and had heard Richard Dufour and his associates talk about the importance of norms when collaborating. Norms are essentially um, the articulation of expectations that we'll hold each other to when we come together to collaborate. Um, whether we call them collective commitments, collaborative protocols, I've seen a school call them their rules of engagement, um, whatever the terminology we want to use, it's essentially being able to move from assumptions of adult behavior when coming and working together to clearly articulating what they are. Um, trying to move from that place of, well, of course, everyone will show up on time and prepared. We're all professionals. We just expect that. Well, sometimes that can be an assumption. And until we publicly state and agree that we all agree arriving on time and prepared is something that is essential when we're collaborating. Let's make it one of our clear expectations. It just brings those to the forefront and sets out for, for us as, as the adults when coming together to work, work in teams, what we expect of one another and of ourselves when we're engaged in that. So what is it about those clearly defined expectations, those norms that make them so powerful as part of collaboration? Well, I'll, uh, I'll kind of start with a little bit of a, of a declaration or an admission of guilt around this. Um, when I first started examining and thinking about norms for collaborating and you know, had seen it being emphasized as, as an important part of what you do when you come together, uh, I didn't think that they would be necessary within our own school context. Um, I mean, we were a staff team that got along really great, um, worked very, very well together. We didn't need norms to be able to collaborate and realized that uh, in, in time, what we were doing was quite collegial. Uh, and what I mean by that is supporting one another, helping one another. But when we move to collaboration, it looks a little bit different. It's expected that we're going to disagree uh, from time to time. And in fact, that shouldn't be avoided. 
which is what happens when we're being collegial. It shouldn't be avoided when we're collaborating. Actually, that makes us stronger. So at the time I thought, well, norms, they're really for schools where people obviously don't like each other or they're so big that people don't know one another when they're coming together to collaborate. We don't need that. We love one another and, and everyone's worked together for a long time. But we found out very quickly that we needed to articulate expectations of each other and not leave it to assumptions. You'd see people get incredibly frustrated when we'd have a meeting um, starting and someone would stroll in five minutes uh, late. Um, or when you know someone would be sharing and another person would jump in and interrupt for them. There, it was creating frustrations by not articulating what it is that we expected of each other. So I think that's where the power comes, Jen, is the idea that we're going to move from unstated assumptions to clearly articulated expectations of one another. And then in time, practicing those over and over. I've, I've recently been saying that, you know, strong collaboration is happening when everyone's just a little bit uncomfortable in the space. And I don't mean that as, as a bad thing. I mean that that discomfort is where we grow, where we change, where we get challenged in our thinking. And it's hard to exist and be vulnerable when uncomfortable if we don't have <laughs> rules for engagement, as one school uh, clearly stated that, you know, let's set this out and then understand that when a person is behaving a particular way in that meeting, does it align with what we've agreed is important? So if we have a norm that says we will honor and encourage hard questions of one another, when I now ask you a hard question in a conversation, you're not put aback, you're not upset. It's, it's understood that we can do this safely because it's something that we've said is important for us in our, our collaboration. It's stated right in our norms. When you talk about the statement of norms and you talk about the, we have said, can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about the process of developing norms? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, one of the things that we don't wanna fall trapped to is stating, well, let's just have our leadership team create the norms or let's let a small group create the norms for us. The co-creation is really, really important. And um, we have resources on our website that describe the process I'm about to share, but I, I typically use a process that comes from, starts with reflection, moves to co-creation, and then captures big themes that then can be refined. So what it looks like in practice is being able to start off with a question such as, what are the norms that we need to uphold in order to maximize our time together when collaborating? And I'll often say, everyone, pull out a, a piece of paper and just individually write down three to five things that you would expect of yourself and others when it comes to collaboration. Now, you may not do this initially when you're first starting, um, let's say, department teams or grade level teams or however you're coming together to collaborate. You might want to collaborate a few times first and then or when we're starting collaborative team meetings, for example, and then come back to say, OK, in those spaces, what are some rules that we should hold each other accountable to some collective commitments that we should hold each other accountable to? So reflecting first. And then I'll often say, get with a partner, sometimes depending on the size of the group, we might say a group of three, share and consolidate 
come up with one set of four to five norms that the two or three of you agree. And then we'll do that again, depending on the size of the group. Let's get three groups that come together and do that same process, consolidate, so that in time, I've been able to reflect on what I think is important, share it with others, consolidate, and then we get to a space where we can, as a larger group, have each of the smaller groups share out, be able to get some consensus of, do we agree on the idea of this particular norm? But don't wordsmith it. Don't worry about wordsmithing. Capture just the big ideas. Then we can have one person or a small team or committee go away, uh, refine it down to get the actual words that we want for the three to five norms that we have in place, and then bring those back to staff. I've often said, don't stress the wordsmithing of this because it's the ideas that are more important. The idea that we will arrive prepared and um, on time for our, our collaborative times together. That's a big idea. Don't worry about capturing the exact wording or, or having 40 or 50 in a room work on the exact terminology. So that's, to me, that's a process that you can walk through to establish the beginnings of those norms um, for a school. And again, I think the co-creation is really important so that everyone can see their voice within it. Oftentimes when I'm working with a group, I'll go away to refine them and I'll try and use exact words that came out through this so that when teams see the norms, they can see some of their exact terminology and wording uh, existing within that. I have reached a place now, Jen, moving from, I don't think norms are that important when you're collaborating to we should have norms for every time we come together to collaborate. And that, to me, it doesn't matter whether we're coming together around a divisional team table, around a smaller group, a staff meeting. Um, we should always have norms for engagement. And it may mean that they're the same norms for each time we come together to collaborate, or we may have a different set of norms based on the purpose of the collaboration. I would argue that the norms in a staff meeting are probably going to be slightly different than the norms for a collaborative team meeting, because both of those have very different purposes. Even though there might be some similarities between, there's going to be some subtle tweaks that um, need to be adjusted based on the purpose. So we've developed these norms. We have this lovely list that someone has wordsmithed for us. How do school leaders go about bringing these to life in their school? So I think that's that's one of the key considerations is defining your norms is a first step and it's necessary. However, if they are not continually brought forth and practiced, um, they're worth no more than the initial conversation that generated them. So there's a couple of thoughts that we want to put into place when we think about bringing those norms to life. The first one is, are they, are they displayed for us? Um, and I've seen this done in a number of different ways within schools, whether it's on our meeting agenda right at the top, the norms exist. In fact, that's what we do for our own Jigsaw Learning Team um, is putting our norms right at the top of the agenda. Um, within a school, I've seen it that there's a poster in our meeting space that shows what our norms are. Um, I've seen schools that have table displays where when they meet, out come the norms on the table displays. I've seen others that have tent cards 
I'm reminded of Crestwood, where on one side of their card, it showed what's the purpose. They were looking at specifically their collaborative team meetings. On one side, it's what's the purpose of the collaborative team meeting and the norms that we uphold. On the other side, there was a question that said, so what are we going to do just to keep reminding people that we're being action focused when we come together in this space to collaborate. Um, so having those out and visually accessible is important. And then starting with a review. And I'm not saying every time you meet, we have to go through each one line by line, not necessarily, um, but we do want to come back from time to time and just remind of those norms. But then I've found that being able to practice them becomes important. So to be able to say today, let's focus on our third norm of we will be solutions focused. And today to practice that, um, we're going to keep a tally of every time somebody says, what if? That's going to be an indicator of us being solutions focused. When you hear what if or I wonder, make a tally. And let's keep track of how well we did today. And you know, next time we meet, let's do it again and see if we've seen any improvement. Just picking one to focus. I've seen schools where in a collaborative team meeting, they make a role of the norm analyst. And it's that person's job at the end to comment on how they felt we did. I saw another school, it's Crescent Heights in Medicine Hat, where they had a role of Norm. And it was Norm's job. And when they first introduced it, of course, Norm from Cheers, they did a little montage to kick it off. But it was Norm's job when somebody veered off one of the norms in the meeting, the person would press a Staples, that was easy, button. And it would just remind them it's easy to get away from our norms, but it would help redirect. It worked very, very effectively to help continue to reinforce and practice. So to me, that's so important to just keep living and looking for evidence of our norms being practiced over and over and over again. And it may seem like just a small little thing, but if we're doing that over and over and over again, it just contributes to that collaborative strength and culture um, that we're building. So one of our norms is that we will ask hard questions of one another. So today, the goal is everyone is going to ask two questions. And I might even give question prompts to people to say, utilize this um, today as we're engaging in our conversation. Um, it's as educators, um, we sometimes think, well, collaboration should just be natural, but it's not <laughs> in a school setting when we're doing it really well. In fact, oftentimes we avoid hard conversations because of residual impact. Um, but we want to create safe spaces where we can ask hard questions of each other. And it's not that we're questioning each other's professional practice. It's that we're helping to push and challenge each other through that. That's when real collaboration starts to occur. And it's hard to do if you don't have ground rules. We also see schools then when they get from that initial, we've developed our norms. In time, we want to be able to unpack those a little bit further. I've seen one of our associates often, when they create the norms, they will often create a stem at the start and then create a so that, and then make a, a following statement, which almost states that we will do this so that, and it provides the why. Um, uh, why is that norm important? And that's another thing I've done uh, with other schools is for each one of our norms, let's go and unpack it to say, why is this norm important? What will we see when it's being lived out? Possibly what would we not see if it's being lived out? 
And then even more importantly, how will we respond when someone breaks a particular norm? Because it's going to happen. We're human beings. And um, just because we've set out expectations doesn't mean we're always going to follow them. But knowing ahead of time of how we'll respond is really important. So let's take a simple norm such as we'll arrive on time and prepared when collaborating. Okay, the why? The why is everyone's time is valuable and we respect each other's time um, when we arrive on time and prepared. The what will it look like? It will have reviewed our, our agenda prior to the meeting. We'll have brought any, any uh, materials that are requested of us. What will it not look like? Um, we won't have cell phones uh, that are out there if we're being engaged and prepared. Um, we will not come in late. And then the how will we respond? Uh, it doesn't need to be punitive. It doesn't need to be disciplinary. I worked with one um, group of principals where they said if someone breaks that particular norm, we will pause and make sure the person's okay. And then the person has to give one thing they'll do next time to arrive prepared and on time. It was highly effective. I've seen other schools that say, if anyone breaks this norm, it's their job to bring snacks to the next time that, uh, that we meet. Again, it's just really living and making sure that when we come together as a team, we have clearly laid out what we expect of each other and we live it. On the topic of norms, I keep thinking you're a numbers man, Curtis. You always have, you know, how many or an approximation. <laughs> what do you think is the most powerful for the number of norms that a group collaborating has? Well, I think if you had to put a bit of a sweet spot to it, it's probably somewhere between three to six. Um, you know, I, I've seen different schools create acronyms for their norms. I am reminded of Forsberg School where they use the force and each letter of the word force um, represents a key idea that they've agreed that they'll utilize. Um, there's an example of five norms that are in place. Uh, yeah, I think three to six is probably what we're trying to aim for uh, when we're creating norms. Once we get beyond six, you're probably getting too long of a list to be able to accurately attend to, to all of it when you're coming together to collaborate. So how do you address all those extra things that people want in the norms? Yeah, so I think sometimes it's a conversation around, is it a norm for behavior or is it just a procedural element in relation to our collaboration? So for instance, a norm that says, um, we will create an agenda with clear timelines. That might actually pull out that it's not actually a norm. That might be just one of our procedural expectations. The norms in time start to define the adult behavior. And again, like anything, we're looking for what are the key things that we want to look, not dictating every aspect of, of that adult behavior. So I'll often say um, when we're doing this with larger groups, come up with five norms and then star the one that you feel is most important. And we'll make sure that that's represented when we make the consolidated uh, list together. And typically the same norms come out over and over again. Things like we will be solution focused, we will honor all voices, um, we will challenge one another in respectful and professional ways. And then that's where the unpacking becomes so important because um, what I think is in a respectful way might be different than what you think it is. And we need to clearly articulate what we mean by that. 
So I, again, I think it's important not to see the norms as the catch-all of everything that we'll do, but again, what are the three to six key things that we need to see each other doing in order for this collaboration to be effective? Do you have any final thoughts around norms and how they impact the leading collaborative response? Yeah, I think just like anything in regards to leading collaborative response or just leading organizations, um, you can't see this as a checklist activity, meaning we did the norms check, what's the next thing that we're supposed to do? It's always iterative, that we're always coming back um, sometimes at milestone events, like the start of a year, let's go back now at the start of the year and review our norms. Do they still reflect what we want to be able to do? Um, I'm reminded of a school, Elmore School up near Grand Prairie, where each year they would list the next iteration and it would show just slight uh, refinements of going deeper within their collaboration. And it was interesting as you looked at over three years, how their norms had become much deeper and um, with clearer expectations of one another through doing that process. So I, I think it's important to recognize that we'll always keep coming back around. And it doesn't mean every time we meet, we have to spend 10 minutes to review our norms and make sure that they're right and do we need to change any wording. But at different milestone events, like the start of a year, like when a new team member uh, joins us, we wanna be able to come back and just reflect on do these still accurately describe what we um, commit to being able to do. So it's not a one and done type activity. Your norms are constantly evolving and growing. And yeah, it's difficult as a leader to remember to come back around um, to those, but it's, it's important work if we truly want that collaboration to be as deep, meaningful, and um, truly pushing each other that collectively we are stronger together than any one of us on their own. The norms help us do that. That they do. Well, thank you, Curtis. I know that you have somewhere else that you need to get to. So I appreciate you carving time out for our viewers and our listeners today. And we look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Jen. Really appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to it as well.